God bless you. Thank you. I'm just wondering if before I bring the word this morning, before we get to the rocks, because I know you're worrying about them, <laughs> could I just share a God story with you? Yeah. About uh, f- five years ago, we bought some land out at Ashbourne, and, and it was a couple of years before we were able to build on it. And... Uh, so we would go out and do work on it, clearing scrub and stuff and meeting the neighbours. <clears throat> there was one particular neighbour that the other neighbours didn't like. In fact, they never talked to him at all. And uh, they told us, actually, he's not very nice. He's, he's, he's got a background. He's spent time with Her Majesty. <laughs> and so on. But we felt that we didn't want to treat him any different from our other neighbours so we waved to him and said hi and you know just were friendly in various ways and then eventually we got to talk a little bit and so on. My son-in-law Brett would uh, sometimes have a discussion with him some of the stuff he said was a bit way out but anyway whenever he left he would say love you Brian and uh, so Brian understood that our family was different from what gave a different response to the others. And uh, as time went on, we would see him and I'd, I'd wave to him. One particular day I saw him and it looked like he was in real pain. So I got to talk to him. He came over to the fence and I said, what did you do? And he said, I was helping a mate to, to pull out posts and he had a, um, a digger on the front of his tractor. And he said, and I... I, I came up underneath, underneath the, uh, the, what do you call it, the front of the digger. He said, and I hit my head when I was half standing up. And he says, I've damaged my neck and my back, and it's terrible. I said, well, listen, we're, we're Christians, Brian, and we believe that God heals us. Can I pray for you? <laughs> and I'm not sure if I was surprised or not, actually, but he said, yeah, because I knew he was in such pain, he was going to take anything. So I just prayed a simple prayer for him. And we went back to talking for a few minutes. And he said, he says, I couldn't do that before. He says, thank you. He says, you know, I used to have a faith years ago. And that was kind of the end of the conversation. And uh, so we'd been praying for Brian for about five years. He told me one day that he had a friend who had invited him to go to church with him. And he was going to do that one day. (laughs) I don't know when he did it. But last Sunday, we got a text message from him. And he said he'd been to church. He'd met Jesus. And he'd been baptized. So I've just taken his name off the wall. Some time ago, I I read a a book by um, Max Licardo. I've mentioned him before. Uh, The book that I read was called When God Whispers Your Name. And it's it's a great book. 
and uh, really spoke to me. I, I want to use some of Licardo's imagery this morning because I think it's, it's quite powerful as I talk about something that affects all of us. And so uh, I would say that probably Max Licardo was right when he said we were all given a sack. You know, we mightn't even realize that we have a sack, but we have it. And uh, we won't remember probably receiving it because it will have come with the first stone that we received. And that was probably while we were still young. But now we have a whole collection of stones. We've got all these little pebbly things and we've got some bigger stones. We've even got some big rocks. So we've got this whole collection in our sack and we carry it around with us wherever we go. How did you get your first stone? Maybe it was a stone of injustice. I don't know, but if you had brothers like I had, sometimes somebody broke the tree and it didn't matter how much you protested, if you looked guilty, you got the punishment. So stones started early coming into our sack. And I can remember actually one of my first stones. I was just three years old and our family had moved towns and the truck was backed into our new property and they were just unloading all our stuff. Now, my most favorite toy was my little tricycle. Anyone remember having a little tricycle? Okay. And uh, my tricycle was my motorbike and my car, my tractor, my bulldozer, whatever it needed to be. I loved my tricycle, and I was really looking forward to being able to ride it again because it had been locked away with all our stuff for about three months while we were in temporary accommodation. And finally, I saw it on the truck. The guy picked it up, but to my dismay, he came to the end of the truck and dropped it on the concrete. And of course, it landed on one wheel, buckled the wheel, and I saw all these little bearing balls rolling in all directions. And I was devastated. I, d- I didn't know the man who dropped it, but I can tell you that my three-year-old opinion of him at that time was not very good. <laughs> Actually, if I had already been to Australia by then, I probably would have called him a stupid galah or dopey drongo or some more colourful language. But I was only three. And I hadn't been to Oz yet, so I didn't call him that. Maybe your first rock was a rock of rejection. Maybe your parents split up. Maybe your dad left and He never came back to visit. Maybe even later in life when you tried to contact him, he never responded. So more and larger rocks got into your sack. There's lots of other stones too. Failing at things. Christiane already mentioned that this morning. Losing a job, being dumped by a best friend, being abused by somebody, being ripped off 
being the victim of someone else's bad decision. You know, the list goes on and on, doesn't it? There are so many stones that get into our sack. And how many regret stones are we carrying this morning? Regret for not listening to good advice. Regret for foolish actions, for hasty words, for lost opportunities, for wasted time, wasted resources. And then there's all those rocks of guilt. Of course, we picked them up all by ourselves because we knew that what we did was wrong, what we said was wrong. And somehow by picking up another rock and adding it to our load, it was, felt like we were paying for it. You know, how would you call it? Some kind of penance, I suppose. And so as time goes by, our sack gets heavier and we get sick of carrying it. So we try to put it down. We take it to work with us. And yeah, we can forget it most of the time because we're so busy and so involved with everything else around us that we put it down. But when time comes to leave work, there it is at the door and we are compelled to pick it up and lug it home with us. Some people take their sack to the pub and they hope they can drink enough so that when it's time to leave they can forget it. But as they get put into the taxi by their mates, sacks put in right beside them and goes home with them. Some try taking an overseas trip. They believe that they've really left it behind this time. They're so excited about their trip. I think they've left it at the airport. And a couple of days into their holiday and lo and behold, there it is in amongst their luggage. And they feel sick. Some people believe that an affair will fix it. But as they discover, after the weekend, even as they walk out the door, they trip over the sack. And as they heft it onto their shoulder, they discover it's even heavier than it was before. Some people empty their sack of rocks onto the floor in front of their friends. But their friends don't want their rocks. They've got enough of their own. Some empty their sacks onto the couch of a therapist. But you know, the therapist can't really do much for them except to rearrange the rocks as they go back into the sack. Oh, it's a lovely arrangement. They look very tidy and nice. But the sack still weighs the same. And they carry it home. So the rocks, as you understand, represent the baggage of the past that we haven't dealt with. Have you noticed what carrying the past around with us does to us? It plays havoc with our relationships. Because when we feel hurt, when we feel rejected, when we feel unloved, when we feel angry or guilty, Other people around us notice, even if we are unaware of that. Have you ever heard somebody say at work or at home, don't go near so-and-so, he's in one of his moods. See, we are not islands. We affect people around us. They notice. After all, how can we encourage other people when we ourselves are discouraged? 
How can we be enthusiastic about something when we are depressed? How can we be accepting and loving of others when we feel worthless and rejected? Well, Jesus has an answer. And in Matthew chapter 11, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have we heard that before? I hope this morning that I can shed some fresh light on it so that it means something more to us. The implication, of course, of that verse 28 is that God will take care of our burden. And there's other scriptures that back it up. First Peter, for instance, uh, 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him. Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Uh, I remember there was a Christian song years ago now, kind of reggae. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Anyone have you ever heard that? Okay, I'm not going to sing the rest. <laughs> but that came out of that scripture. Jesus cares. And Philippians 4, 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then, here's the interesting part, then you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When we come to him and we give him our rocks, he'll deal with them. Because he will, he will deal with everything that we deliberately give to him. And it may be that sometimes we can give him a whole pile of these little tackers at once. But I believe it's important that we take out one at a time the stones and the larger rocks to deal with them. We all know that life is tough enough without carrying unnecessary baggage, isn't it? Or are you different? You know, stuff happens in life because we're Christians doesn't exonerate us from the stuff that comes off the fan or anything else. I won't say that expression because it's very Australian. Mm -hmm. um, but Jesus says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. See, if we've still got rocks, we're not going to know his peace. That's the reality. If we are carrying the past, we cannot know that peace and tranquility that Jesus wants us to have. Take my yoke upon you. That means to take partnership with Jesus. That means to do what our neighbor has just done. Begin to walk with him. Begin to experience life with him. So we walk together. He shares the load with us. He helps us with life. You know, if, we, if we're working together, 
with Jesus, if we're drawn together by his yoke, we're going to talk, aren't we? We're going to get to know him. He already knows us, but we're going to get to know him. We're going to get to love him and enjoy him. Because if we do spend time with him, you can't spend time with Jesus and not fall in love with him. I'm sorry. I can spend time with a lot of people and I do not fall in love with them. But not with Jesus. We spend time with him, that's going to happen. And we'll feel comfortable in his presence. But we have to remember that the yoke is not something he forces upon us. It's a voluntary link between us. And sadly, I believe that there are many Christians who are not yoked to Jesus. There's no passion there like Paul was talking about before. There's no sense of real communication. There's, there's little relationship. People are too busy, too busy to spend time with Jesus. And inevitably, they pick up their sack of rocks again. Even put back in it some of the stones that Jesus has dealt with and wonder why their Christian life is such a drag. Folks, if we're not yoked to Jesus, chances are we're yoked to our sack of rocks. Jesus went on to say in verse 29, and learn from me. And often we overlook this part of the verse. It's what I want to focus on this morning. And learn from me. Because not only will he share in the daily grind of life with us, but he also wants to teach us how to live without picking up rocks. Would you like to do that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we find ourselves so often, we've already picked it up before we realize. But he wants to teach us not even to pick him up. How to live a balanced life in his yoke, which he says is easy to wear. But if we don't learn from him, we're not going to have rest for our souls. And I've discovered, and I'm sure you have too, that over time, pebbles seem to grow into stones and stones seem to enlarge into rocks. If we keep taking them out, going back over, reliving the hurts and the incidents that happened without dealing with them. If we don't deal with them, they go bigger and heavier with time. And while there's a mountain of stuff we can learn from Jesus about living life, in the context of what he's saying in, this verse, in these verses here, I believe that the key thing we need to learn, and it's what I want to talk about this morning briefly, we need to forgive. Ah, not that word. Some of us have really struggled with that word over the years. But yes, we need to forgive. The point being that in most cases, these stones and these rocks that have appeared in here are because of our interaction with other people. You know, somebody hurt us. Somebody disappointed us. Someone rejected us. Someone ripped us off. Whatever it was, we need to forgive them. And then the stones of grief 
stones of regret and guilt. And they often require forgiveness as well, but usually it's us. We have to forgive ourselves because we knew we were guilty and we actually asked God to forgive us, which he's done, but we still carry it around ourselves. We need to forgive ourselves as well. In Matthew 6, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said to pray, in amongst other stuff, he said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Do you know what? The reality is that for many of us, if he forgives us our sins in the same way that we forgive others their sins, we won't be forgiven because we're not forgiving others. Jesus made that thought even plainer a couple of verses later. He says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, there's been much debate over the centuries about exactly what Jesus meant by these verses here. And I have spoken about this before, but I speak about it again because it's so important. Whatever else Jesus intended by what he said there, I believe he is telling us that if we refuse to forgive those who sin against us, if we refuse to forgive those who these stones represent, then we will never know the freedom that comes from his forgiveness of us. It's impossible. Unforgiveness causes a hardening of our heart. Doesn't it? (laughs) That's what it is. It's a hardening of our heart. It causes a bitterness in our soul. You ever met bitter people? Guarantee what's behind it will be unforgiveness. It has the same kind of effect as cancer does in the body. As it grows, it smothers our happiness. It overwhelms our good intentions. It weakens our desires to to spend time with Jesus. And the fact is that we usually withhold forgiveness in some perverse way to try to hurt the perpetrator. But almost inevitably, the only person who gets hurt is us. We hurt ourselves. In some cases, the other person doesn't even know they hurt us. <laughs> and we are holding something against them. In some cases, yes, they, they knew they hurt us. They even came and tried to put it right, but our stinking attitude towards them turned them away. And of course, there are those who knew and didn't care and probably still don't. So our unforgiving attitude doesn't affect them, but it corrodes our soul. It eats us up from the inside. It puts a shell around us, a hard shell around our spirit so that even the Holy Spirit cannot penetrate it. We will not know the joy the peace, the forgiveness, the rest. If we live in that state. That's why coming to Jesus with our burden but not forgiving those who've hurt us is going to have very little effect on our, perce- our perceived state of, of rest. It's not, it's not going to happen. And Jesus, as you know, 
you've been reading through your word, he spoke a number of times about forgiving others, even parables, whole parables about it, because he knows how important it is for us. You know, if other people ask us for our forgiveness, we are bound to forgive them. If we don't, then we're being disobedient to our Lord. But usually those who hurt us do not ask for our forgiveness. However, whether they ask or not, we will never be free of the pain of carrying that rock if we don't forgive them. And we have to forgive them before God. Forgiveness is a much more powerful thing than many of us realize. Forgiveness has immense power for freedom in our own lives. And so we forgive before God. He is our witness. He knows the intention of our heart, even if we have to keep coming. Because, you know, forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. Have you noticed? We can't forget some of the stuff that happened in our lives. But the more often, you know, when the the memories come back, we forgive again. We forgive again. And if we keep doing it, if we keep doing it, it's amazing what happens. There's longer gaps between needing to do it. There's less pain when we remember it. You might say to me this morning, but Shale, you don't know the trauma and the pain and the suffering represented by my rocks. And I will say, yes, that is true. I do not know. And in no way would I want to diminish or, or, or say that what you went through wasn't a terrible thing. I don't know. But Jesus knows. He was there when that was going on. He was crying tears for you. When that happened, and he's been waiting ever since for you to come to this point where you would be able to choose to forgive so that you can receive his peace and his healing in your life. It was Jesus who told us to forgive. You might say, well, what I endured is unforgivable. I can never forgive that person. What they did is unforgivable. They don't deserve it anyway. Well, there's another scripture in Ephesians 4 that says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Hey, I don't know about you, but I know I didn't deserve God's forgiveness, but he gave it to me anyway. I am so thankful for that. And you're probably much the same. You know, forgiveness, forgiving somebody may not make the slightest difference to them. In fact, in many cases, they won't even know. Sometimes, some cases, they're dead and gone. It mightn't make the slightest difference to them, but it's going to make a world of difference to us. Because choosing to forgive changes us. Choosing to forgive softens our heart. It breaks that hard shell that we put around our spirit so that God's compassion and his love and his grace can work in our lives. 
But before you ask Jesus to help you forgive, tell him that you've chosen to do so because we don't forgive out of our emotions. We can't. It doesn't work. You will never feel like forgiving that person who did that terrible wrong to you. We can't do it. We have to forgive by choice, out of our will. And I say something like this, because it happens to me, and I have to forgive people. And I, I say something like this, Jesus, I choose to forgive, and I better not mention the name here, because it might be one of yours. <coughs> Just kidding. I choose to forgive so-and-so. I choose to forgive. Please help me when the memories resurface to remember my choice because I really, really want to forgive in the way that you've forgiven me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So these are Jesus' words to us this morning. He means them. He's speaking to us today through these words. Now, we can't change the past, but through partnership with Jesus, we can change the present, and we can certainly influence the future. So we gave you a symbolic stone this morning. You finally know what it's about. If you don't want to take it home, that's fine. Rather than leave them all over the floor and everywhere for the cleaners to clean, just leave it on the table out there when you go. But I'd encourage you to take it home. Even if you don't feel you've still got sacks in your, uh, rocks in your sack, take it home. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it every day. And every time you see it and think about it, just ask the Lord, Father, are there any stones? Are there any rocks? still in my sack? Are there any issues I still haven't addressed? Because he will show you. And if there are, give them to Jesus. Can we pray? Father, we're so glad that you love us so much. You've shown us so many things in your word that that we tend to ignore or maybe we haven't read it enough or understood it enough to, to know what you were telling us. But Lord, as we've heard about the rocks this morning, I pray that you will help us to really examine ourselves, our hearts before you. Ask you to shine your light on anything that we haven't dealt with because it will be stopping us knowing your freedom. It will be stopping knowing us knowing the reality of your grace in our lives. It will be stopping us shining your love through us into other people's lives. Oh, Father, I pray, even now, come by your Holy Spirit and minister your grace and your love and your peace and your understanding and your wisdom to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.